Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast. I'm Marion Ellis. In today's episode, I'm chatting to Rory Murphy from Vinci Facilities. And we talk about everything from what it means to be positive, Young Surveyor of the Year, and Rory's work supporting the RICS. Wherever you are listening to this, whether it's walking the dog or driving around in your car, then I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, Rory. Really good to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, lovely to be here, Marion. Been looking forward to this. Uh, do you know what? I have. I've been really excited. Yeah. And um, I was thinking, is it because I'm excited to talk to you? But it's not. It's because oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I think that's been actually given. Because so. <laughs> it's, the, it's the first time I've recorded a podcast in a couple of months. And yeah. I've really missed it. So uh, obviously I'm excited to talk to you, but I'm more excited to be getting into it which is good and typically because I've now decided to record a podcast my Ikea delivery will be in here we'll be here in about half an hour yeah yeah no that's fine so uh if we get a bit of a disruption then um we'll just have to deal with it I'm getting a set of shelves and a mirror no, very good. Very good. <laughs> Who wants to know? As long as they don't start building them while whilst we're talking, that's fine. Yeah. If I if I'm less interesting than an IKEA bookcase, then I'm not sure the podcast is going to go brilliantly well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rory, um, uh, introduce yourself because there'd be uh, whilst a lot of people know you, there's a lot of people who have no idea who you are. Introduce yourself yeah. to the listeners. That's fine. Well, I'm Rory Murphy, so I'm the Commercial Director for Vinci Facilities, which is a facilities management and building solutions business part of VC UK. Um, so we, we turn over about £420 million. Uh, we've got 2,500 people work for us uh, across pretty much the UK, all of the UK. We've got a small bit of work in Ireland. Um, in terms of me, I've been a surveyor all my life. I, I began as a young QS, and we'll pick up on that sure later on, back in 1987, which, as I worked out this morning, preparing for this is 35 years ago. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and outside of my uh, sort of day job, I've done a lot of work with the RICS since probably about 2010, um, initially sort of from the facilities management um, side of things in terms of assisting uh, with that and then subsequently to that um, quite a lot of engagement across sort of the UK and Ireland boards looking at some other things um, and I'm still involved today and hence one of the reasons I'm on here I think so uh, yeah so so that's me. Well I do you know what I, I ask people you know on the podcast you know there's people that you know some surveyors have heard of and there's some of my favourites are surveyors that nobody's ever heard of because you get some really interesting conversations um, but I, I want to I had you on the podcast because I'm quite interested to know more about you and your work. Yeah. And I think that we met, I think, probably at an awards do, yeah. might have been Young Sphere of the Year Awards a couple of years ago, I think it was. Yeah, I think, I think we sat in each other at dinner. We first. were on a judge, yeah. And, and I remember going, I'm feeling really nervous because I didn't know anybody. And you were so welcoming and friendly. And... Yeah. Uh, that was nice. So thank you for that. Yeah, for making no, no. Feel, feel welcome. Yeah. Sometimes we go to these events or these networking things and, yeah. you know, it's quite a big ask sometimes. But um, and I remember I had to nip off to get the last train at 20 past 10. So I missed all the shenanigans that go on at the yeah, yeah. Young Surveyor of the Year Award. Uh, yeah. They've actually just announced, I'll put a link in the show notes, um, it's out, isn't yeah. it? You can start applying for the next one. Yeah, and I'll definitely encourage um, all people to get involved in that. I mean, one, one is easily one of the best nights of the year in terms of the actual award ceremony because it, it's so much energy in terms of the sort of 
250-odd um, sort of young surveyors in the room. But, um, but in terms of, uh, yeah, the whole judging, the, the, the whole principle of, um, sort of celebrating the best talent is, yeah, it's a fantastic evening. And, um, yeah, 100% a lot of people support it. I mean, I'm judging again this year in um, the facilities management, asset management category. So, um, but, uh, yeah, it always amazes me. It, it, I love judging it because you, you get a real um, perspective of young careers. And sometimes I'm absolutely astounded by how far people have got in their careers in, in, in the first few years of their careers. It makes me feel pretty pathetic. Um, and then, <laughs> and then on, on the night, it's great to see, because as a judge, you, you judge your own category. And then ultimately, you judge um, the winners of each of the other category for the young career of the year. So you get to see um, yeah, a really fascinating sort of... Uh, sort of vista across all the disciplines within the RSCS. So it's really, yeah, a fantastic, one, it's a fantastic event as in itself. And two, I think it's a brilliant idea in terms of generating um, excitement around being a young surveyor. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think the thing I love about it is just the enthusiasm. Yeah. And just that being really excited about what we yeah. do. And as we get a bit longer in the tooth, we get a bit jaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I, I, love, I love that enthusiasm and the, the last awards event that they have had was November 2021, I think. Yeah. It was obviously yeah. missed a year or two. Yeah. And um, I, I, I remember going and I literally felt like a celebrity. Because yeah, they were yeah. like, oh, were you and Marion from the podcast? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, great. I didn't give them my autograph and they didn't ask for it. But oh, I had no. a pen. You'll be doing the guest speaker slot next time. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> But it, but you know but what I was um, what I really uh, found insightful was that you know I sometimes you know in my head I'm very residential surveying that's you know my yeah. my, my background yeah. but there were people who listened to this podcast who are QSs or who do yeah. rural or minerals or, yeah. or, or whatever and yeah. um, and that and that really struck me that other people are interested in this podcast so I was I was quite pleased yeah. to get that yeah, um, yeah that's good it's good. yeah no, I think it, like you say it's a celebrate I mean your podcast reaches out to the whole surveying profession but it but sometimes we can get sort of siloed in terms of the sort of roles we do and um yeah that's why I love the young surveyor of the year because you, you get you get such a wide variety of, of sort of skills and backgrounds and uh, and the, the other thing about that, that particular event for me in terms of on, on the evening is that one it one it's pretty much all the people from their own businesses so, so you have the people that have helped them in their careers you've got their mentors you've got so it, it becomes quite tribal it, it's, it's it's wonderful because you, you can you can see the excitement and the support from the um businesses which all these young people work for but also that, that from their support from their peers and everything else it's uh, yeah it's massively um motivating but for, for us that, that, that help lead the profession to the, the youngsters that are coming through yes it is yeah it's really positive and encouraging and and I, uh, this year, I'm judging the mentor of the year category. Right. Yeah. Uh, in the past, I've judged the residential and the valuation. Yeah. And what um, has struck me, particularly on the residential, is there's a lot of SMEs or people who yes. work for themselves. Yeah. And uh, I think that's great that they, you know, that they put themselves forward to do yeah. that. And if anybody wants to have a chat about how to go about it, um, you know, maybe we'll do a podcast or I'll get a webinar or something sorted because yeah. I think it's really important that. Yeah. That, that people do that so i'll be seeing you on the night again yeah, that'd be very good. Look forward to it. yeah it'd be very good <laughs> get the glad rags on um you mentioned you know in your intro at, at the start um you know you, you talked about the, the business that you work for and you went straight into numbers 
straight into numbers. Yes. Uh, tell me about what you you actually do. You talk, talk about FM, that's facilities management. Yeah, yeah. What um, actually is that? Okay, so facilities management, um, which is probably two thirds of our two thirds of our business, um, is the maintenance and operation of the built environment in reality. So, um, so we look after across various sectors um, from retail outlets. So Curry's are one of our one of our main customers. So, so making sure that all the um, mechanical and electrical services are all working within that particular building, although those buildings and the fabric. Um, to make sure that they're operable. So really you're supporting, it's a service industry in reality. I mean, it, we, we support our customers to deliver what their end goal is. So, so whether that's in a, uh, a retail outlet for someone like Curry's or, or Smith's Toys or in a hospital or school environment. So, so making sure that, um, yeah, that everything is up and working and uh, ready for the, the operators of those assets to deliver the services they want to deliver. So um, yeah, so it, it's, Planned maintenance, reactive maintenance. Um, we don't do a lot. We, we personally don't do a huge amount of cleaning. We do do soft services. So FM is split into um, hard services, which which is the maintenance of um, mechanical electrical services or fabric. So that's how we describe that. And then soft services um, would be cleaning, catering, security, those types of things. So, so the FM sector in itself is huge, um, but but there's there's an awful lot of disciplines within it. Um, and then in our business, we've also got a um, building solutions element, which is then capital expenditure work. So they'll do projects. So more traditional building operation, I suppose, from um, anything from £50,000 up to £10 million. Not, not really a construction business. So, so we, we don't tend to do our, our bit, on my, the bit I look after, we don't tend to do construction ground works up. We tend to do refurbishment, that type of thing. So, um, so that's what we do as a as a business, but very people focused. I mean, it's um, <clears throat> I say we've got two two and a half thousand people almost work for us, um, and people out on the road. So mobile engineers, we've got cleaning teams, we've got project teams that work on on acute hospitals or schools. So yeah, so it's very diverse, very very diverse uh, sector and a very diverse sort of discipline. I want to make a joke about um, FM and being a radio DJ, but I can't think. Yeah. <laughs> and funnily enough, I mean, what, one of the things when I came into FM, I, I came from a construction background, and um, and we'll get on to why we ended up ended up in FM. But FM, when I came into it 12, 13 years ago, had had this sort of um, image that it was all cleaning and soft services, and 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 the, one of the reasons I got involved with the RCS was that um, I, I wanted to help professionalize the, the, the people's perception uh, the, the industry was professional I think people had a perception of oh it's FM they just do the, the cleaning or they do the toilets or they do it's like well it's much more technical than that and um and what so, so I suppose um what I've seen over the last 12 years um or, or what I've wanted to champion I think is that I, I want to attract people into the FM sector so as surveyors or or, or as facilities managers or everything else so so it's been really important for me to, to show that um, looking after complex assets is, is, is a complex project. And, and over the time, over to where we are now in terms of the whole digital built environment and, and how we use technology um, has come on massively in, in the facilities management sector and, and is now again, another exciting thing to attract people into the business. So, so yeah, so it's funny with FM, I think people, yeah, either, either you think you work for a, a radio station or they think you're a cleaner or a caterer. So, um, so yeah, so, so my, my whole role in life is just to go, no, 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 it's, it's, it's a fantastic industry. It's very technical and please come and work here. So.
Well, if there's any consolation as a, uh, a residential value, you spend half your time arguing with people over what the Daily Mail thinks house prices are going to do. Yeah, yeah. So you know yeah. you can't you can't win. No, let me no. let me ask you about um you know how you got how you got started as a surveyor because we do like a good career journey. How did you get started? Yeah. So uh, I mean, it, traditional in some ways when I look back and and um, in terms of I I, uh, I joined Taylor Woodrow as it was construction business at eighteen. I, I did my A levels. Um, back in 1986, um, which was, a, uh, on reflection, was a World Cup year, and I put pretty much zero effort into my level <laughs> on reflection. I think I spent an awful lot of time watching football and going out, and then, then when I looked at my A-level results in summer, I was wholly disappointed with how I performed. <laughs> so, um, so I spent a few months thinking, am I going to university or not? Um, with the grades I've got, I'm not sure I've got many, many offers anyway. And, uh, and ultimately, I, I decided to go into work and um, I took a job as a trainee QS. I didn't know what a QS was um, with, a, with a construction business in my hometown in Portsmouth. And we were building um, a huge, uh, at the time, uh, city centre redevelopment. So I joined that as a trainee QS um, and I loved it and, and got loads of responsibility very quickly I mean as a youngster and um and I had friends who had gone into work in banks or gone into other roles back when we were sort of 18 19 and within a year or two I, I, I felt I was being responsible for a whole plethora of things where they were still developing so so I suppose I went into that and went on to a day release uh, sort of program so um I'm making it sound like I've released myself but a day release study um so um so I did that for three or four years in terms of just developing myself, um, working four days a week at a college one day a week. And then as you grow through that, 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 that project finished after three or four years and then went on to run, um, I don't know, become a fully qualified QS and then look after my own projects. And then ultimately through time, look after a sort of basket of projects. Um, and ultimately right through to about 2006, uh, became the commercial director for all our high-rise complex projects within the UK as Taylor Woodrow. But, but in the interim through, I mean, uh, through that, those 20 years, I also um, did some other roles in terms of design management and I did construction management for two or three years at, at uh, BAA at the airports, all with, all with the same employer. I've been with the same employer for my whole career, which again is probably unusual these days. But I, I, I've got an awful lot of experience of, um, the built environment and, and not just being a surveyor um but but uh, and through that I, I got my qualifications in terms of qualified um and and got chartered back in you know 2000 i was trying to look earlier 2002 somewhere around those, those sort of areas um and and i suppose up to 2008 that was my construction experience as a as a qs um but but ultimately running the sort of commercial performance for a building business um, and then in 2008, we had this sort of property crash and uh, Taylor Woodrow, as it was, sold off uh, their construction arm to Vinci, which were a huge French business. And when that takeover happened, um, I got given the opportunity to work with RMD to set up the facilities management business of uh, Vinci, which was a number of businesses to pull together. Um, and we've done that ever since. So since 2008 to 2022 now. Um, we've built that that business and I suppose for me that that's when my role changed from being a, a purely commercial uh, surveyor I think to that now developing and running a business and um, so, so it was a blank canvas really brought brought together some businesses we, we, we developed the culture we delivered we, we developed the whole business plan 
um, and, and, the, and the values of that business. And, and, and I think so the, the last 14 years of my life have been very much um, still as a commercial lead for the business and very much proud of being a surveyor, but, but much more um, developing and running a business and understanding what, what that means. So that's a bit of a pen picture of my career. But Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of us get to a point in our career where we're not doing the surveying anymore. No. Um, yeah. and, and yet, you know, I mean, I, I miss it terribly. Yeah. You know, but I, I know it's not the job for me anymore and I can do more, reach more people, do different things with a, yeah. a different hat. But for a long time, particularly when I was working in the complaints and claims uh, teams that I used to run, you know, I had a bit of an identity crisis. You know, am mm. I a surveyor or not? Am I, am I you know, a manager, a director? You yeah. know, um, what, what am I now? And, and I come across a lot of surveyors who, you know, we really strongly identify with being a chartered surveyor. Yeah. We have a very fixed view of what that looks like. Yeah. And then as you go through your career, you think, well, different things happen, opportunities come yeah. up. And, you know, I, I tell a lot of my uh, coaching clients, you know, you do what you do, you just happen to do it in the world of surveying. Yeah, and yeah, that opens yeah. up all sorts of opportunities to do lots of different things. And I still very much class myself as a surveyor. I just happen to work in this particular way. And I'm interested in all things built environment. Yes. Um, you know, but we do we do have that identity. You know, how, how did you how did you find it, you know, going from the tools to actually, you know, running businesses and budgets? <clears throat> yeah, to do I it think, yeah, I think it was a progression. I think it's um I mean the one I suppose one advantage of the career path maybe both of us followed and, and a lot of people follow is that uh, having begun as a trainee QS and and, and understood and worked from the ground up. It, I, I, I can relate to any of our teams here. So, so, so I'm talking to our surveying teams on a project, um, or I'm speaking to anyone in our business. I, I've, I've got experience across that that whole range. I think, I think there is, there is a step change. Um, there's a skill set you have as a surveyor that does naturally assist you to be a business leader. I think that that undoubtedly. I, I think in terms of, and, and as long as you allow yourself in your career to grow. Um, so, so take those opportunities to, to not only concentrate on maybe the financial commercial elements of your role, but, but begin to look at the operational elements, begin to look at look at things from a different stakeholder perspective. So what 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 might your customers need? What might the projects need? What what about what about your operational team? So 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 I think you develop over time, and I think if you're if you're lucky enough in your career, and I've been blessed, I think. Is that as long as you've got time to grow, don't 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 try and do anything too quickly because I think that's that's a risk because you do have to um, develop yourself. But uh, but I think I think you can equip yourself with all the skills you need to be a business leader as a surveyor. I, 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 and you're right; it's interesting listening to you. I, I'm hugely proud of being a chartered surveyor, and that's my anchor. That's given me my base skill set. Um, but but equally so when I'm when I'm talking about um, running our business in a sustainable way or responsible way or, or how we deal with our supply chain or how we might treat people um, that, that that's all come from I suppose the values that I've espoused as a surveyor I, I think I think that's part that's part of me it, it, it's, it's how I've grown and uh, so I don't, I don't see uh, yeah I, I, my, my, my development has been um, absolutely couched in being a surveyor there, there's the technical skills that we've learned but there's the way you run businesses and, and the way you view the world for me is, is, is all part of it. So. Oh, that totally re resonates with me. Um, I think 
you know, for a lot of surveyors, you know, you do the job in silo, but you just you just start to get interested. You know, how do the admin processes work? You know, yeah. what does finance do? I remember one of the when I worked for a corporate many years ago, I uh, ran an uh, admin team, and I could tell some of them had great potential, but they just didn't know, um, you know, how businesses worked. You yeah. know, they didn't know what the uh, the finance team did, for example. Yeah. And so I put together a little business development program for them, you know, and it was just, you know, once a week, yeah. someone from that department would come and talk to them, you know, and yeah. um, it, it really, because a lot of people come into the job, you know, and particularly an admin level, and it's quite a big, a big ask. They've got no business experience. They've not gone through, uh -huh. you know, studying and, and, and all of those things. And yet some of them have now become surveyors, you know, they moved on. And, yeah. um, and, and I think for me, that was early on where I got a, a real insight into how I could make a difference like that because yeah. I, I, I and what resonated with me when I first started I got a graduate scheme job um, yeah. with Lang yeah uh, Lang Homes as it was at the time yeah. and we moved around the country we did you know different you know house building things yeah. I mean different yeah. departments yeah. and it really opened my eyes as to the bigger picture yeah. And yet when you're trying to do a technical job and you go out to do that job, you don't get to see that bigger picture. And I think we as as leaders or further down yeah. the line in our careers, you know, have a responsibility and opportunity to show people, you know, lift yeah. the lid so it's not mysterious, the, the warts and all, you know, yeah. so that they can do better. And um, yeah, it's quite, quite interesting to... Yeah, no, I think it, 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 for me, it's, it, it, it's interesting to listen to you is that what I try to do with all our teams <coughs> is you've got to understand what, what the, you, you, we've got, our surveyors have a technical role to do, but in the bigger picture, what's the point? So, so if, you're, if you're on a project, so, so what is the client's driver? So why, if you're building something for a client and it's got a completion date of X, what, why is that completion date important? What, what's driving that? So, so you've got to be empathetic around understanding um, the drivers for the project it's not just so, so there, there may there may come times when you, you have to put more pressure in places because the, the end date is an example or the requirement is is such that you need to make sure you're satisfying your client or or if you're working with your suppliers what why why might your suppliers be under a bit of pressure or what, understand their perspective so so i'm always encouraging our teams to make sure you, you understand everyone's perspective all the stakeholders perspective on a project and then you, you're much better at managing it you've got to understand you've got to understand the other person's point of view you can't just focus on your own and say right no 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 I know what I'm doing it's like yeah okay but in the context of the decisions you're making or the role you're doing what is the point of what what, what are we doing here what are we making what are we delivering so um so yeah I think that that's that's when people grow I, I think you, 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 if you if you just do your task you'll always just do your task but you need to get your head up and look around and go right what in the round why are we doing what we're doing um and in a way, that it, from a facilities management perspective, I suppose in, in this part of my career, that's that's a little bit easier to articulate to people. So when so when we when we're delivering a school or, or we're supporting a school, it's all about the educational outcomes for the children. So so how do we make sure that the role we are doing is supporting that? that that's that's absolutely our. It's role. having that bigger vision. It is, isn't it? Of what's yeah. the purpose? And and for me. You know, I'm very much about making sure um, people have safe, warm, dry homes, roof, you yeah. know, over their head. The way that I happen to do it now is through coaching and support, supporting yeah. surveyors and just chatting about stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. just the way that I do it. And I can reach more people 
uh, that way than I ever could just doing the, you know, one-off jobs, uh, yeah. you know, doing inspections. But you've got to have that that vision and understanding and, uh, and purpose. And I think sometimes with some surveyors, and I think I think that's why I like the Young Surveyor of the Year Award, because they've got that aspiration of what yeah, they want yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, but we tend to, to to lose that. Well, why did we become a surveyor? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and that's one of the questions we always have on the on the podcast. You know, why 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 is that? And they always start with, "Well, I fell into it." Yeah, yeah. But somewhere <clears throat> along the line, there's been a <clears throat> property journey. You know, um, yeah. built environment inside somebody's uncle or mum or whatever was involved. Yeah. Was was that for you? Or was it sort of? Yeah, I mean, I, I found. I, I think. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's right. It's funny, actually, because if, if I talk to people in, in facilities management, a lot of people say they fell into that. So I, I've sort of fallen into two things, maybe. So I've fallen into being a surveyor, I've fallen into being an FM. But, but the, the hook for me was, and, and it still remains, is that we, we sort of, you create things. So we're, we're, certainly from a construction perspective, I, I love the fact that you, you came, and you learn this very quickly in your surveying career as a QS, let, let, let's say that. Is that you come together as a group and you create something and and then that's something tangible and then you move on and then you create something else and, uh, and i found that yeah really uh exciting and then you build in the fact that as a surveyor you've got a, a sort of financial angle a legal angle a contractual angle it was it was a it was a real variety of a job it, it, and, and i think and, and whether that's when you're very new in or or even now uh, my, my my weeks are completely eclectic in terms of the things I deal with and um and maybe that's why I remain enthusiastic so I'm, I'm certainly not I'm certainly not in the jaundice category but the, the uh, but but as a young surveyor coming in it, it's like look there's there's a world of opportunity here to get involved with so so grasp everything you can and, and whether whether that's from a building surveyor perspective a QS perspective or a residential surveyor there's there's, there's always lots to go at mm. I think uh, let me ask you why are you so enthusiastic and positive? Because you just radiate this positivity and enthusiasm whenever I, whenever I meet you. Or maybe it's just me, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you always seem quite have a, a positive mindset and that's really hard to maintain. How, is that just how, were you born like that? or <laughs> Born this way. I'm like, What's your uh, secret yeah. source? Yeah, no, it's not. I, mean, I think I think you have to be. I mean, look, I, I don't doubt there's days I'm not positive about stuff, but um, but I think you've got to always push forward. I mean, I, I, I said I've been, I've really enjoyed my career, and I continue to enjoy my career, and it's not, and it's not without its challenges. I I, I don't doubt that, but but it goes a little bit back to being a a leader in terms of I've got a responsibility to the two and a half thousand people that work for us or or actually anyone I meet in the surveying profession, um, whether it's on your podcast or, or at, when we're out and about at Young Surveyor of the Year or if we're doing stuff for the various boards we represent. Uh, so I am enthusiastic about that. So, so but, but you, it, there's, yeah, you, you have to, uh, yeah, I suppose, I suppose that I, I understand that the, the way my demeanour does affect people's uh, perception of me or how they feel about themselves. Uh, and so it's not it's not fake in any way at all. But but it, it, I I enjoy what I do, and I want other people to be enthused about doing what we do. And uh, it's um yeah. it, it's quite infectious. Yeah. You know, when someone else is positive, um, you know, you 
and you're having a bad day you know you can even without having a conversation it can turn things around quite quite infectious in yeah, that no, way, it's, isn't it's, it? it's, I mean we're here in London today and we've got sort of three of our team I can see it in one of the meeting rooms down there just having a, a meeting um three of our surveying team now they wouldn't necessarily bump into me that often during, during the course of the year so just nipped out got them all a coffee it's that little interaction and uh, and they're cracking on and happy. It's just that you, you do have a role. I think I learned, you know, I, in my career, early on in my career, I, I learned um, maybe in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, where where senior managers in in, in my business weren't quite as, um, I don't know, available and supportive to the younger surveyors. Um, and I, I, I can remember uh, that that having a real impact on me. So, so where, where someone would come in, so a more senior person would come in and, and say, oh, Rory, takes a coffee or throw their car keys out and say, go and park the car. I was like, well, I'm never, I will never, ever you know, be, um, will never be like that with anyone, you know? It's yeah, not- I, I, when I worked in Leamington Spa many years ago, I was asked to move the boss's car and I literally, I think I had a panic attack. <laughs> I'd only <laughs> ever driven a little Corsa and there yeah. was this thing to, to move. Um, but but it's, it's even the inference, isn't it, to go, well, look, I, I can't be bothered to park my car. But, you, but you know, I think this is where we as, you know, leaders, managers, where we are in our <clears> careers, <throat> we can break the pattern. Yeah. And it doesn't, ha- doesn't have to be that way. I was just recording um, uh, a, a presentation for a conference <clears throat> uh, next week. And um, I was recalling my own experience of getting a claim on, yeah. my, my, on my first survey. I got a claim. I mean, yeah. the irony. And I then worked in complaints and claims for most of my career. Um, but, you know, whilst I, you know, I know what I did wrong and, and, and missed, one of the key things as I reflect back was I didn't feel I could talk to my peers. There wasn't that culture of checking in, are yeah. you okay? You know, let's just grab a coffee. There yeah. was literally none of that. It was it was a lovely office. There were loads of characters there, yeah. you know, um, but you know, I felt quite intimidated. I didn't feel like, you know, and then this problem happened and, and it, and it came about because I didn't, I, I was, I knew, I knew about it. I was worried about it, but I didn't um, feel like I'd have the conversation to talk about the decision-making that goes yeah. on, you know, yeah. and how I would approach it and how I would report it. Um, but now we know we do better. And I think we, you know, as, as leaders and for people out there as managers and running businesses, it doesn't have to be um, that way. No, and I, th- I think um, do you know what I, th- I think as well. If you give us, if you give a bit of yourself, p- people will always. I, I don't think, gen- genuinely, I think people would come to me with anything to talk about, whatever role I'm doing. I think if they felt they needed to talk about something, I, my door would always be open, and I think they'd feel, <clears throat> and that's important. That's important to me because you can't do the roles we do without being confident that that people are, are happy to share good and bad things with you around or, or, or things that are worrying them or and um yeah and I, and I, I love the fact that people come to me and go oh, Christ Roy, this thing's really bothering me and and we'll talk through it and they'll go off and go all right yeah okay you might not solve it but actually one, one they've talked about it and, and you've given a bit of your problem given, shared isn't it yeah and you've given a bit of yourself and genuinely given a bit of yourself I think that's that's the thing I'd always I'd always give because that, that, that's important to me because that 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 interaction for me it, it's it's their bit of the day and and if, if that's a bad thing for them then that'll they won't move forward so having 10 minutes of my time or half an hour whatever it takes absolutely no problem. I, I, read, I read a book a number of years ago i think it was called the unwritten rules of the game i think it was yeah. and uh, effectively you know 
it was a, a, a book of its time. Yeah. But effectively, it's like having an open door policy. Yeah. But don't dare walk in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know. Yeah, and yeah, if yeah. we think about, and I and I remember I used to work would have an open plan office, but you don't yeah. walk and talk to the boss. You yeah. know, and uh, those thing, things happen. And I think we need to break yeah. down down barriers. How was uh, how was lockdown for you? Because you sound like a really social person. Yeah. Managing yeah, no, all of these people, you know. Yeah. No. Tough. I didn't. Um... Yeah, no, I didn't respond well to uh, lockdown, I don't think. Uh, it, yeah, I, one, I didn't like working in isolation in reality, which we, which we all did, particularly in the early days. I mean, if you go back to March 2020, as it was, uh, 2021, the, um, yeah, th- those first few months were, were a real shock. Albeit, in, in the first few months, there was, it was, there was so much going on from a work perspective in terms of, crikey, how are we going to deal with all of these millions of problems that we've never had to deal with before um but for me being at home one being at home all the time I found really difficult because um I'm used to seeing people around me all the time so that 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 didn't help and then for me the 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 non-separation of home and work I found really difficult from from a either a relationship point of view and and how I felt in myself in that the 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 merging of work and home for me didn't work because I, I I'm not a different person at home than I'm at work, but, but you have a work persona. So, so to finish finish work and then walk out of my, uh, and I'm lucky because I had a little office at home to work in, but walk out of my office and then my family's there literally in a second. It's just like, I, it's very difficult to turn I think we on. have, um, uh, we sort of have a, a transition, don't we? I remember, yeah. uh, I mean, I've worked from, from home by myself for a number of years now. So my biggest challenge initially in lockdown was, what I've got to feed these people they're in yeah, my yeah. space yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think my husband tried to work off the kitchen table for about two hours until yeah. we that ain't gonna work no 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 um but I remember when I used to, to work in, a, in, a, in an office and the drive back home that yeah. 20 minutes or whatever it was was yeah. I could listen to the radio I could you know re- decompress you know come home yeah. get changed and you just sort of shake the the days and the, the yeah. worries off. And, and when you work from home by yourself, it is different, and you do have to have boundaries. Um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm in my home office here. Yeah. If I look to the side of me, the kids are bloody put all of their making yeah. things, and there's stuff yeah, yeah. there, you know, and it's people encroach into my space. Um, yeah. So you know, you've got to have have boundaries, um, yeah. and it uh, and it is hard, and it is a different mind mindset. And I know. Uh, it's funny the things that you notice though uh, so my husband started to use the spare bedroom upstairs and I've got a, yeah. uh, what would be a old Victorian house or dining room downstairs yeah. so we never see each other yeah, we just yeah, keep yeah. the kettle on you know yeah but I remember walking past the room once and and some of the things that he'd say I mean he never listens to this podcast so I'm okay yeah. I'm you know but he it's something like the the corporate language like let's just circle back yeah yeah you know, or ducks <laughs> in a row yeah or, or yeah. that kind of, and I just think, who knew I was married to a guy like that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a That's right. Uh, funny enough, I had my son. My, my son had his first year at university in the first year of lockdown, so so he was only there for one term, and then um, was home for the second two terms. And uh, and it, similarly with him, although he was half taking the Mickey as opposed to doing it seriously, is that um, we we we'd sort of have have our water cooler moments together. We'd come down to the kitchen, and have a coffee, and he'd say, oh, and, and, and he'd talk as if we were colleagues, as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to. Father and son, and, and it was it was funny because you, you sort of 
yeah, you'd sort of message each other and go, right, we can stop for coffee now. And, yeah, and then we'd, we'd stand up as you would at work around the <laughs> around the kitchen. So uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was it was an odd period. And um, and, and uh, the other thing that really resonated with me, which which has stayed with me actually, is that um, I, I, and we talked about being a leader and being responsible earlier, but <clears throat> the, the responsibility all of a sudden of being of having certainly during COVID of sending people to work in COVID in the COVID period weighed heavy weighed heavy on me and the senior leadership team. It was it was so so making sure that we were sending people to work safe, making sure that those that weren't working whether they were furloughed or they're at home or if there was a multiple of things to to consider from a people perspective that that uh, it, it really it really uh, affected me in terms of my responsibility in a positive way. I, I always knew I was responsible. I, I'm not, I wouldn't say that, but, but all of a sudden when you have a, a, a sort of catastrophe like that happen, which, is, which affects everyone's um, well-being and also just their, their, their lives, it, it was, yeah, I found that, I, I found that the combination of being at home, having, having a, a lot of things to deal with that were unusual and thinking, Christ, how do we look after all these people that work for us? Um, we got through that, but but it was it, it was it's been quite a, it was positive for me. Yeah, it's been quite a humanising experience, hasn't it, for us? <laughs> yeah. I think in in many ways. Yeah. So, how do you manage your mental health? Yeah, I mean, I, I what now or then or always? So, um, yeah. So, I mean, the I do try to keep myself fit. So, um, I, I think having a release of having just talked about the fact that I, I make sure we don't just sit in the sit in the office and come out. I mean, I, I've got. I do like to exercise, so I use that as a, a, a sort of proxy, really. For what, what do you do in exercise? I, I do well. I do a lot of running, and I, I mean, I do used to do quite a lot of triathlon stuff, but I don't tend to do too much of that at the moment because that sort of got kiboshed during COVID. But I do like I'll run most days, um, or I'll go out on the bike, or, or I'll go for a swim, or go to the gym, or do something. So I try. You know what? I'd I'd love it if you if you just said I do Zumba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just lying completely. Maybe, maybe actually, I, I do. I do boring dancing on a Monday, and I do. Uh, <laughs> I do Ciroc or whatever it's called on a Wednesday. So uh, maybe you should yeah. challenge yourself and do something a bit different. Yeah, no, I think I should do. You're right. Yeah, I need to. Uh, yeah, that be it, the It's interesting the, uh, the exercise though, and how how much of a difference it does make to mental health. Yeah. That said, though, I find if I'm stressed, I can't yeah. run. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, what I find with running is that I, I can, and it, and it, I've run a, a lot, I suppose, is that um, I, I, that does help me sort stuff out in my head. I, I mean, I don't run with headphones. I run sort of, I don't have any hardcore, any attachments. <laughs> I don't, as far as that. But sometimes I get to the end of the run and go, well, I've actually sorted that out in my head now. I, I, I can, it's things that need a bit of unwinding you can do. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I've always, I've always had that capacity to do it. And, um, but, uh, yeah, and in terms of, it's interesting because we talk a lot more about mental health. Uh, and we in, never uh, did in the past. Yeah, no, yeah. Which, which is quite right. And, I mean, as I said, I, I don't think, um, yeah, I, am, I always, am I always upbeat? I, I, think, I've, I think we have a, a persona at work, which, which I think, uh, or professionally, let's say at work, uh, professionally, that is important. But, um, yeah, am I, yeah, am I always up? 100% of the day absolutely not and do, but but do I recognize do I recognize the things that make me happy and I do do I understand the things that will will, will trigger me so um yeah and so. I think I think that's a really important thing it's knowing what gets you back to okay yeah yeah you know it's knowing that the highs and lows happen 
yeah. but that you do have the ability to get back to okay. But what is it that grounds you, whether that's exercise, yeah. you know, going out for a walk. Um, you know, for me, it's often just having human contact with somebody else because I work from home yeah. by yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. You know, no. which is why I was excited today to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, but it's knowing what gets you back, back yeah. to okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's yeah, and recognising others as well. I think it's, it's knowing people to just make sure that, you, I mean, we check in with people a bit more than maybe you did, maybe we ever had before. Um, and uh, and we, we, we have a lot more conversations, or I have a lot more conversations these days about how people are feeling. And then one-to-ones with my team, it, it, it's always it's always a conversation that starts with how are you? It's not a, it's, it, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a task orientated one-to-one. We, we meet, all my team, I'd meet once a month and then once a week as a group. But they always start with, how is everyone? How are you? And then, yeah, and but the, the trick how is... are you? The, the trick is in the answer though isn't it you know yeah. I uh, I had that on my mastermind this morning uh, that I run for small businesses and um, you know how are you and it's like oh we're busy it's like, yeah, yeah. busy a good thing or is busy a bad thing yeah it's busy you good know? busy bad that's what I say to people yeah 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 yeah, yeah and you know it's sort of showing up it, it, you know being honest with your answers and that it's okay to say actually no yeah. I'm tired or oh, this has just happened just getting it off your chest um I can't um we can't not talk about RICS so I know yeah. you've, you've sort of yeah. mentioned it a little bit uh, for those who are listening who may or may not know I'm a current governing council member on the UK I represent the UK and Ireland <coughs> um uh, region with along with uh, Louise Archer yeah um you're, you, you've got involved in RISS in lots of different ways. Tell yeah. me about that. What kind of things are you currently involved in? Okay, so, <clears throat> I mean, I was um, historically on the UK and Ireland World Board. That's come to an end now. I think it was on that for about six years, which was, uh, which was good. Um, and I think my original involvement came about with um, a sort of FM working group, as it was, which then became a professional group. And, um, and then subsequently, I got involved in quite a bit in terms of the FM side of things with... Uh, with case studies and, and supporting supporting RICS around that, um, and then moved really as, as I got more embedded. I think um, recently I helped chair or chaired a responsible business group, which which produced a report on running responsible businesses in in real estate. Um, and now um, I'm chairing the member engagement and experience and value group, the uh, sort of uh, which has grown out of um, the sort of Levit report or, or sort of post pre-Levit really, but in terms of how, how do we drive our member engagement um, back up and the experience and the value for money that um, our members have. So, so I'm now chairing that that group, which is a group of about 14 people across uh, across various roles within the RCS. But um, the five world regional board chairs, we've got um, three governing council members on there. We've got uh, two or three um, local um, local sort of uh, representatives from the UK, so and one from Matrix as well. So <clears throat> that's been that, that's the sort of main activity for me at the moment in terms of RCS, and, and that that continues and has been hugely rewarding in, in this current period. One of the things I've always been interested in is the gap between <clears throat> what happens at the top. You know, you've mentioned all these committees and boards and different things. Yeah. You know, um, and how that is then translated through to the surveyor on a wet Tuesday in Margate. I yes. find that surveyor one. Yeah. <laughs> one yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, I, always, yeah. I always mention it. But you know, be really curious about about that gap. And 
you know, yes, our ICS has been through a, a challenging time. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but I feel like it's, it's at least it's facing in the right way yeah. in yeah. terms of direction and there'll be more to come. So as we record this, it's just before the Bishard review, yeah. um, which is due out. And I'll put links to these things in the, um, in the show notes as they uh, yeah. come available. Yeah. So it's a real period of, of change and rethinking yeah. and, you know, we talked about our identity as a surveyor, as individuals, yeah. but also our identity as RICS and what does that mean globally and yeah. as well uh, in the UK. Yeah. Um, with all of these activities that you've been been doing, what have you learned most about surveyors? Uh, well, it's interesting. I suppose that now, if I think about now the current work I'm doing on on this MEV group, what, one of the things we, we're social beasts in terms of we we, we it, the, the real push. I mean, there's, there's been lots of things that that through this group we're, we're trying to make sure we, we, we become better at doing it and we being the RICS together collectively um, and whether that's transparency or CPD or that type of thing but what people are really what surveyors are really striving for is the ability to keep connected and communicate and share knowledge and socialize and network and and so a, a lot of the work that we're focusing on at the moment we, we, in conjunction with the RICS so this is us working hand in glove it is to build back the resources uh, and, and give the ability for people to connect. So, so for people to share knowledge um, and, and not digital. Digital has got a, a place to play in this, uh, but 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 absolutely, how do we get together? How do we share? How do we how do we work together? So I, I think surveyors like to meet other surveyors, or, or, or and and also other professions from the built built environment. Um, but but I think so. So what? What, what have I learned, what have I seen, is that um, it, it's a reaffirmation for me that, uh, going back to this social nature of maybe the two of us, is that actually we like to come together and we like to learn and we like to share. And and and, and whether that's talking about the, the local residential market in, in Bogner Regis or whether it's talking about the sustainability challenges across the globe, we, we like to come and talk about these things. And um, so, so for me, I, I think it's about facilitating that ability to share knowledge uh, and develop um, and communicate with each other so, so that we do feel like um, like-minded individuals and when we're, we're, we're learning together. I, I think that, that's the other thing for me is that we, we can all be so busy in our day jobs and our, our roles that actually taking time out together to come together to talk about anything and everything Gives us all a bit of a broader perspective. I think um, I think that's what I've found um, in terms of what what surveyors what surveyors want or, or what, what it's they um, it, it's really interesting though because to quote Kevin Costner, you know, it's not build it and he will come. You know, we can't. Yeah. You can build, you know, networks and say this is happening, but it's the whole engagement piece, isn't it? And it is. encouraging people to come forward. Um, and to share and to, you know and and I think that's perhaps something that's 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 lost and yeah, will take time to to come back and finding what when people turn up to you know if we go to a networking event we're going there for a purpose yeah you know and, and people will come for the content and I find <clears> this in the yeah. you know, in the circles that in, in my work they'll come for the content but they stay for the community yeah you know yeah. and some of the best posts in my little free Facebook group are not surveying technically relate, you know, um, uh, related. They're just look, look, look at this fun thing that I've seen on holiday yeah, yeah. when I'm meant to be switching off. Yeah. You know, and it's that community piece. And and I suppose 
you know, when I think about when I joined RICS uh, and, and got qualified, uh, I didn't go to my, uh, they had a ceremony for my APC because I didn't know yeah. anyone else who yeah, had. Yeah. I wasn't a member of, I think it was JO, Junior Organisation or something it was called at the time, wasn't yeah. involved in, in any, I was sort of quite, quite isolated until yeah. I started to get more, get to know more people and yeah. put yourself forward. Um, and there's a huge network there. Yeah. And you're right, I think we are, we are social, but I think what we get from it is that network of support yeah of it's building relationships yes we can share but it means that um you know when there is a problem oh I know somebody who I can call or somebody Rory will know about this yeah it's definitely I mean like you say people work with people don't they to be a bit yeah. corny about this but, but if you go back to the first time we met at the, the Young Spare of the Year Award we didn't sit there talking surveying gobbledygook for two hours it's just a connection in terms of having someone it was just having no, someone I, I don't think I spoke I think you just talked <laughs> yeah no, yeah probably I probably did speak for the whole hour yeah so uh, a whole few hours but but I think it's right it's building those networks where people connect on a social level it, 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 it and I think yeah I think if you have events CBD events or events that, that have a, a content and a purpose yes that's great to get people together and uh, and as long as that's sort of good quality and, and is useful to people then they'll come um but then it's the next element of it is the that then then have time to come together have time to build your own networks and and the, the thing for me about engagement as well which i which i will say is that we, we it wouldn't be for everyone i mean we, we mustn't we must we must concede that 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 some people are very happy to get their qualification with the rss become a chartered surveyor and and maybe don't want to go to the local events maybe don't because they're, they're very happy in what they're doing and that's absolutely fine um but but as long as they understand that those events are there for them so so they can engage I think you're can. right i think you're right there's power in knowing there is something there and i found that with the women in Spain work that i've done you know i never yeah. set it up as an organization it was just a summit a thing that I did we've got a yeah, Facebook yeah. group you know it's not that active but yeah. knowing that there is something there is still massively uh, reassuring yeah, I understand. think one of the other things that I've really learned um, about surveyors is many of us you know we sort of talk about diversity and uh, you know and um, yeah. you know people of color and women and all of those things yeah. I come across a lot of surveyors who are neurodiverse right and yeah. so the thought of going to an event <clears throat> Is, is some people's kind of hell yeah. you know why would I want to do yeah. that yeah yeah you know, and and so some people have thrived through lockdown some people have found it you know yeah. challenging um I come across a lot of surveys um and we've had quite a few on the podcast and that's how I came across it actually yeah you know quite a few surveyors were dropping in oh and I happen to be dyslexic yeah you know and oh you know autistic or, or whatever yeah and um uh, you know and and we don't um we hide it yeah you know, we don't we don't come forward with that because that's a shame. Yeah. And people work really, really hard. And so when yeah. it comes to events, when it comes to, you know, reading things, you know, we won't mention modus. Yeah. Split views, I think, with some people. But, you know, for me, the whole thing is, well, actually, sometimes it's quite hard to read something on a screen. Yeah. It's better to read something on paper. Um, you know, we're so, so diverse. But we and I, and I think for me, that's where something <clears throat> RSS does need to move forward. Yes, it's, it's, you know, there's a diversity piece, yeah. but I think we need to, to also tackle that and recognise that some of us learn better in one way, we read in another, and that makes it feel more inclusive, and we're more likely to feel part of it and that sense of belonging. 
that's absolutely the word I was going to use in turn, and going back to modus and the journals and, and that's a discussion that's live at the moment but like I, I think that's that's absolutely valid because it, it, and, and how we might manage it and people can opt in and opt out and but, but I think that there is a place for journals and then physical things because people yeah. some people like to read that some people like to read on the screen um also for me in something like a journal if you've opted in i don't i don't suggest that everybody has to have it but but it is it's something of something of value i think if you if you if you're i mean in a very small way you can if people would go oh actually i do get my magazine and i do read it or, and, and people may well say then actually no I'm, I'm not going to read it so i don't need it that's fine but i think that I, yeah i support the fact that we we, we should have it's a, whether it's physical journals it's a bit like physical events versus a digital community I, i'm not i'm not massive on a digital community i'll i'll, I'll be um, work on LinkedIn or do a bit on Twitter but but the thought of having to do all my correspondence or, or building teams in a digital environment is not something that massively appeals to me because I like to be person to person but it, but as you quite rightly said that could be brilliantly appropriate for others and I, I think we have to make sure that we engagement is inclusive so, so we are we engage across a whole range of things and I think maybe looking back one of the things we, we've sort of challenged is a bit this impression that we had digital only was like a, a catchphrase and it's like we well, can never be digital only at the main price that's it I, I think it's I think I think it was digital first but not only yeah okay digital first then but the uh, but, but but even so I, I think it, it's whatever however we want to communicate we need to do it in an inclusive way and uh, that's and critically important as you say across the whole diversity spectrum within in the UK but then globally we need to make sure that mm. do we communicate globally in a way that is culturally appropriate or, or, or it's you know that there's there's a lot of nuances with it and um, so it's not simple engagement and it's it, it's not and, and then when you look globally with different languages and and all of those cultural things all of those things but I guess it's the it's the intention that we'll approach it that way yeah but then also I think surveyors have got to put their hand up and say you know actually this yeah. is what I need. Can you help me? And somewhere yeah. in the middle, we'll, we'll meet. Just before we, we finish up, I want to ask you about going for presidency. <laughs> Leave the best till last. Yes. So, uh, well, I, I, I meant to put it in earlier on, but I forgot. But, it's, but, but I want to ask you about that. So, yeah. so for people listening, you, you applied, you've done lots of work for RICS and you've applied to be president twice. I did. Back tell me about tell me about why that was and what the application process is like. <clears throat> so I mean I think in terms of applying to be president it was uh, I suppose it was something that I aspired to um, and and also I felt it would be an affirmation of not only my career that sounds a bit poncy but, but, but an affirmation of my career but also an affirmation of all the people that have helped me through my career. I think it was so it was something that I'd have seen as a huge honour to do. So, so I mean, both of these applications were in COVID. So, um, and uh, so I think the first time I went for it was 2020. And um, the application process was very much uh, you, your sort of CV uh, support. Two supporters would write, write the, the reason why you think you'd be a good president. Um, you'd then submit that. Uh, you then had a sort of interview in terms of um, a sort of personality trait interview type thing, um, which then <clears throat> led you through into a, a sort of interview with a, with a panel to start with in terms of a selection panel, pre-selection panel. And then if you got through that, you then ultimately um, did a presentation, a recorded presentation to governing council 
um, who then <clears throat> it was a straight vote. So, um, so, so that was a sort of abridged version of the process. And, um, and, and but all of that actually both times I did it because I did it two years in a row through COVID. So the presentations were recorded; they weren't physical. Um, so I went through it first time. I was absolutely delighted to get down to the sort of final interview. Um, and, and maybe a bit surprised in myself. I was like, wow, this is like, I've done really well to get this far. And I was delighted to do that. Um, did my presentation and then had a whole series of questions and answers, um, which at the time I probably thought didn't, I didn't go as well as it could have done. And, um, and anyway, subsequently, uh, I was found out I wasn't successful. So, and I was disappointed. I won't pretend I wasn't. Um, and then it came back the next year and I was like, look, I could sit here moaning about it or I could have another go and uh, because learned from my experience before. So so went back through the whole process, um, did, did all the same questionnaires, had the pre-interviews and then got down to the final interview again or presentation with government council um, and, and actually did all that and answered all the questions and felt I did really well and genuinely, and I'm not someone that would blow my own trumpet at all, but I came off going, oh no, I've done really well there, that's excellent. And, um, and then got a phone call four to six weeks later to say that uh, I hadn't been successful again. So, so sure, so that was hugely disappointing and, um, and was, yeah, difficult to take at the time because, I, I, and I've got, I've got no worries about who, it, it's a straight competition, I'm, I'm happy with that and it's a straight vote, so I'm, I'm not moaning in any way, shape or form about whoever got the presidency or the process or anything. The process was absolutely um, transparent and fine with that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, massively disappointed. And um, and so for me, having having gone through that process of applying to be the president twice and not getting it, um, quite funny to then be approached uh, about six months later to say, oh, Roy, could you help us with this big member engagement thing we've got going on in the RSS? So so I, I could have been a 12-year-old I'd have loved child. to have been a fly on the wall to see your face. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, you do realise that I've just applied for the presidency twice and not been successful. But but look, it, it, it was fine, and um, and yeah, I was disappointed, but but equally so. I, when uh, Matt, as it was, rang me to ask if I'd get involved in this member engagement piece, um, of course I'd want to help, and and of course I'm not going to. I'm, that isn't in my character to walk away. I wasn't doing the presidency for my own well-being. I wasn't doing it to to. I was doing it because I, I genuinely wanted to support the profession, and secondly, absolutely 100% wanted. Uh, I felt disappointed for all the people that had helped me. You know, that was what really upset me. It wasn't it, because I, I, I would have loved to have been able to say, oh, look, I'm now the president of the RSS. And there were so many people that have helped me through my career that, that would have gone, Christ, that's brilliant, you know. And um, so, yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't to be. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll... Right, but I guess, um, you know, there's lots of resilience learning in there. And, you know, that when you, as, as you talk about it, the thing that comes to mind is some of the, APC candidates I know, you yeah. know, who have failed and have to dust themselves back up, you know, but often and uh, and get back up. Yeah. Um. So so well done for you for 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 doing that and yeah. and getting involved with the member engagement because I think you're right. It is about the bigger picture of what we're all here to do. Yeah. Look, I, I, I don't involved. do uh, similarly to you and all the people that help within the RSS and, and are on various boards and do, do all the the, the um. The assessments and everything else everyone's given their time pretty much freely and, and we're doing it because we're doing it for the profession and, and you know what that drives me I don't I, I, so whether I'm the president or not or whether I'm doing a, 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 this activity with the MEV group or whether I'm asked to do something else I'll help because actually 
being a surveyor is, is giving me everything I've, I've got and and and, and I've got a, I've had a fantastic or remain I still have a fantastic career I was going to say I've had a fantastic career <laughs> I'm having a fantastic career um, I hope and um and and it's about me making sure that the the, the next generation comes through and 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 have the same opportunities I've had and um and, and I didn't come from some great background in terms of my my, my educational background or my social background I haven't had come from that but but I want to make sure that I do everything I can that this profession is as inclusive and supportive and as attractive to people coming through. Now, whether that's me as president or not, or whether it's me just helping member engagement or doing a bit on a board, so be it. I don't mind, but um, I'm not doing it for me. It's um, it, it's uh, there's plenty of other people coming through that'll be sitting on this podcast in 20 years, going, "Oh, I met Rory once, and he, he really encouraged me to be a surveyor, and look at me now." So, uh, but so, isn't yeah. isn't that just actually the greatest? thing I've I, you know I've had that you know when I when I think about um some of the 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 girls that used to work in the complaints teams that I had and that they're yeah. now surveyors and they've changed their lives you know yeah. you just think well it was only a bit of a nudge that, that I gave but what a difference that make and I see, I see people I see people on LinkedIn now that have gone off and had careers elsewhere and and, and I've got one lad in, in Australia that I knew worked for me I don't know 15, 20 years ago, I suppose, and, and he's doing some high-flying role in Australia now. And just the other day, I put something on LinkedIn and it, he just dropped a note back and oh, well, I'm boss, that's great, you know? What a really nice thing to say. It was just like, it was like he, he still remembers when we worked together, you know? It was, it was like a really nice thing. For me, it was just that, I haven't spoken to him for 10 years, but it was like a really, I, I, all I wanted, this is a personal thing, actually, having said the other stuff isn't personal. I, I want people to, if they, if they've, interacted with me and or they've worked with me or I've helped them I want them to always look back and go do you know what that was a that was really helpful or that was a good time in my life or that helped me and you know that's that's what drives me 100% and um so so that I can rattle off in 10 years time and think there's a whole cadre of young surveyors or middle-aged surveyors by then probably that I've had a positive influence on them that's all I want to do so Rory it's been really good to talk to you today thank you ever so much for your time good no, very I feel like I want to send you a blue Peter badge being such <laughs> well, a good podcast. I did always say that I'd be the best podcast you've ever had. Maybe I should, yeah, that. get some podcast badges. Yeah, <laughs> badges. Yeah, no. So, and I mean, I look forward to this podcast getting more hits than all the other podcasts. That's what I always said to you. I said, well, if you, you, if you some, share it. Yeah, now you've got some surveying royalty on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, lovely, and I look forward to catching you up, catching up with you soon. You take, right, take care. care. Good morning. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to rate, review, and follow the podcast. You can pop over to the Surveyor Hub community or follow me on social. I look forward to sharing a new podcast with you next time.